0: Welcome to Alberta Conservation Association's Harvest Your Own podcast, the resource for everything hunting, navigating through the field, the butcher shop, and the kitchen. Life is all about great food. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Brad Fenson, an avid outdoor enthusiast who has worked as a freelance journalist, photographer, and public speaker for over three decades. I have hunted, fished, and foraged all my life and hope to share my passion for the outdoors. Along the way, I want to encourage everyone to harvest wild proteins and enjoy the satisfaction of providing the next meal for your family. Our goal is to educate, entertain, and inspire individuals to get outdoors and create a connection between food, health, and your future meals. Welcome to Harvest Your Own. Today we have a special guest from Southern Alberta. That uh, is a young lady, but has a significant amount of hunting experience. And that comes from growing up in a hunting family. Uh, Hannah Marthaler, welcome to Harvest Your Own. Thank you. Uh, you, You've had an interesting life. Uh, You're not that old, but uh, where'd you grow up?
2: Um, So I grew up in Southern Alberta. I grew up actually on a farm and my parents raised birds all my life. So I've been around... Hunting and the hunting community since I was a little girl,
1: and what kind of birds did you raise?
2: um we raised um dozens so and a little bit of chuckers too and i've and I've gambled in um Bob White Quail as well, so a little bit of everything
1: yeah, so when you say you raise birds, we're not talking chickens and turkeys for thanksgiving or special meals, we're talking uh sporting birds, yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So tell me how you got into hunting. Obviously you grew up in a hunting family, but uh you know, I've talked to other people that grew up in a family and some people have interest in, and head towards a hunting uh career and some aren't that interested.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so like many people, I my parents and my grandparents introduced me to hunting. So obviously with the birds, I started very young, um, hunting birds at ten years old. And in when I went to twelve I started with big game. So ever since then, I've kind of run with both of them and I've been having lots of fun. I've been having so many experience and I've gotten lots of tags throughout my years. So,
1: The great outdoors offer an awful lot uh, in terms of quality of life, does it, does it not?
2: Yes. Yeah, it does.
1: So take me back to the early years. Uh, do you remember all the steps that you needed to complete in order to start hunting?
2: Yeah. So I started shooting um, as soon as I could hold a gun. My grandfather used to start us, he had a breezeway and it was quite long and he used to make little plasticine animals and we would shoot them with pellet guns. And we have to shoot them in different scenarios where we'd have to hit the animal in the pr- proper spot. And he made um internals to the plasticine animals. So we'd open them up to see where we actually hit the animals. So it was a fantastic start for like really little less to figure out where we're supposed to hold on different animals. So that's how I started shooting and figuring out, so I started with big game first and then we just moved up and moved up to different calibers and different kicks. So I had a really fantastic start into shooting.
1: That is actually very cool. I've never heard a story like that before, but uh, <laughs> I would love to learn from your grandpa how to make the plasticine animals for our girls yes. and other people.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's an artist too. So um, it came in really handy to get some pretty lifelike and realistic um, animals. So.
1: Yeah, that's a great introduction. And then obviously, uh, uh, the next steps were to get a Hunter Ed course under your belt.
2: Yes, yeah. So I did a Hunter Ed. I actually got offered it through my school. So that was pretty easy for me.
1: And how was it in school? Like, tell me about your class and how many people were engaged in it and interested, and yeah. in others that were just there to sort of get a credit.
2: So um, actually, it was an after school class. So I believe I was in grade six and we i we had a pretty good group we had about thirty or forty kids in our group, and we'd all come after school and we'd spend i think half an hour after school and did it so we did it after we did it in a long ways because we were just young, so we did it in uh i think a two weeks or something like that but um it was fun we he did um daily classes and we would do things we wouldn't just read the book he, we would reenact stuff like gun safety and we would he would go through all, and he'd bring in he'd bring in antlers, and he'd bring in hides, and he'd show us how to do things. So it was really fun. It was really hands-on experience for myself. So I was yeah. very lucky to have that offered. You
1: know, I think we're very fortunate in Alberta to have some incredible hunter-ed instructors, and I know that there's an online course for people that live remote or don't have time or can't get to a classroom, but from what you're telling yeah. me, you'd highly recommend if people could take a classroom course to do it.
2: Yes, yeah. Makes a world of difference.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny because I took mine many, many years ago and I still remember specific things from my hunter-ed instructor that they told me and that have stuck with me in my mind when I'm out in the field. So uh, obviously it it leaves an impression and uh, the hands-on approach that you had would have been outstanding in terms of being able to to learn quicker than just uh, trying to read things out of a manual or or on the the computer screen. Yeah. So how many of the kids in your hunter-ed class actually started hunting?
2: So a lot of them, I believe, a lot of them started on hunting and then kind of faded away as we got more into school, but there's a handful of us that all still do it every single year as much as we can.
1: Yeah, and the other good news is people that take the Hunter Red course understand hunting, so they're always going to be understanding or a champion for for other hunters that uh, have carried on even if they don't. Mm hmm so let's go back to your early hunting career. You uh, shoot the plasticine animals, and uh, I'm guessing one of your first experiences had to be with either a pheasant or a chucker or something.
2: Yeah, so um, it's kind of hard. I, I have had an opportunity to shoot a lot of birds over the years. <laughs> so I actually, I don't. So I went on hunts, bird hunts. But I don't think I actually got one when I was young until I was older. But I believe my first animal was a white, or sorry, a mule deer. I believe it was my first animal it was a mule deer.
1: Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. buck, buck or a doe? Uh,
2: buck. So I got an opportunity to partner tag with my grandfather on a mule deer tag. So.
1: You know, that's pretty special. I don't think, uh, not everyone would know about this, but there are certain licenses that you can partner on. And, uh, you know, obviously your grandpa had uh, a soft spot in his heart to get you out there and he gave up his mule duck, uh, mule buck tag after gaining all that priority. And uh, tell us a little bit about the hunt.
2: Um, so my very first time, I kind of had a little bit to expect. I've heard stories before, so I was very excited and we were coming up on this buck that we had seen and. We accidentally went, so he, we knew he was in some of our bushes, and we actually went up too far ahead of him, so we pushed him out to the side, and luckily enough, it was quite heavy in the rut, so my grandpa rattled him, and he, stayed, he stood put for a very long time, and gave me a chance to get down out of my stomach and get into a proposition and put a good shot on him, and it was a one-shot kill, and it was a fantastic opportunity, it, was, it was, couldn't have gone better for us. Um, because I, I thought he was going to blow out of the water and he was going to run off to the different um, property. So he he gave me just enough time to get down on my stomach and get into prone position. And obviously I've been shooting so much um, as a kid that I knew where to put him. So there wasn't so much talk or coach about where to put the bullet. But a lot of it was just breathing because there was a lot of adrenaline coming through us because we were trying to get ahead of this buck. We pushed him out and we were trying to get back on him. So.
1: The excitement. It was.
2: It was really fun. It was. It was really exciting too for a little twelve-year-old me.
1: So. Oh, it's exciting no matter how old you are. <laughs> you know, I yeah, think that's yeah. why why many of us keep going is because it's uh, it's that I don't know if it's a surge of adrenaline or excitement or just the experience that keeps us coming back for more throughout our whole life. So.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That sounds like it, it created a bunch of memories that are going to stick with you forever. You're probably telling me about that and and picturing everything that went on again. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you shoot your first bird?
2: Um so we do a number of competitions throughout the year so I'm pretty sure I shot my first bird around 12 or 13. So I I did I was I was on a lot of hunts because I wanted to watch the dogs learn how to run the dogs and stuff. So I did go on a lot of hunts just to watch. And I was also the camera person from a young age too. I was I was in charge of taking pictures for everybody. Um, but I don't believe I hit my first bird till twelve or thirteen, and that's when I got a little more into shotguns. because um, it is it's a way different thing to shoot shotgun than it is rifle. So it was hard for me to comprehend the swing. So I was a little bit older till I hit my first bird.
1: And you practiced holding steady on the plasticine all your life, and now you had to keep moving and stay ahead of things.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah. So I found that quite a challenge um, until we got a little bit, um, did trap shooting, and we did a little bit of shooting at the house and waterfowl. So it took me a little bit to get that. So And, and shotguns are heavy to be holding the whole day and then having to swing at multiple
1: birds. So, oh, Absolutely. Um, I got I have to ask this question. What do you think is uh, more rewarding for you, running the dogs or actually shooting a bird?
2: For me actually it's running the dogs. Right. Um, I <laughs> I love them and especially seeing your own dogs that you've trained yourself. It's it's people treat them like their children and they feel and they see them as their children. So it's the most proudest thing you can see when a dog walks up or a dog flushes a bird and someone hits it and they do a beautiful retrieve to hand. It's 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 amazing.
1: Yeah. And I bring that up because there's lots of ways to get interested in hunting. You know, people can come along or join other groups and learn how to train dogs and there or take pictures, but there's, there's lots of ways to generate excitement from a hunting experience and being out in the field.
0: This podcast is produced for Harvest Your Own a program dedicated to those who want to reconnect with food and health through their experiences outdoors. HarvestYourOwn.ca is a resource for individuals to learn more about hunting and the outdoors. There's information to get you started and ensure that your compass stays pointed in the right direction to be successful. Where's your next meal coming from? So when did you start hunting waterfowl?
2: Um, so I, had to start, I started hunting waterfowl at twelve. Once again, I, I tried, um, but I wasn't really successful until I started getting a little more shooting in. Um, my, funny enough, my very first goose, I was aiming at the whole flock. I was aiming for the first, and I actually hit the last goose. <laughs> that was just the luck of the aim. Um, but so that was—I've been hunting waterfowl since twelve. We've had wonderful labs that have helped us so we've always hunted on rivers i haven't done i haven't actually yet done a field hunt but we've always hunted on water so that's next thing on my list is to do a field hunt
1: you know that's the beauty of alberta we have so much resource and so many different opportunities and so many ways to access them or enjoy them that it's uh it's a hobby or a pastime or a passion that can continue to grow as you find different ways to enjoy it Mm -hmm. so do you like ducks or geese better
2: Um, I haven't done a specific duck hunt. They've always kind of come in with the geese. We've always tailored all of our hunts to geese, but I would love to do a duck hunt because it looks really cool. Um, So that's that's one thing on my bucket list is to do a hunt specifically tailored to ducks, but I do love geese. I love when they and when they do the dip. That's my favorite thing to watch them do. When they dip to come in closer, oh,
1: um, whiffling their wings and turning upside yeah. down, and oh yeah, it's so exciting. And they generate so much speed. Sometimes they come over you, and you think you could stand up and shoot them, but you you basically have to watch them go by because they're like a jet engine. Right, yes, right yeah yeah yes. That's very exciting, and you will have to try ducks. They're uh, it's completely different than hunting geese. I shouldn't say completely mm-hmm. different, but they certainly fly. Um, It seems like a different speed, they're a smaller target, they're a little more agile than the big birds, so uh, it adds a lot of uh, interesting new elements to the experience. So I know lots of guys that started off shooting geese and uh, uh, really enjoy the ducks and vice versa. You know, a lot of the old timers in in the province uh, hadn't shot a goose uh, in their young years because there weren't many. So, you know, I remember talking to someone years ago that shot their first goose when they were in their 30s and they drove all the way back to town to get a set of chest waiters to go back and retrieve it because it was that big of a deal. So, uh, goose releases in Alberta, trapping and releasing birds and expanding their territory and having them do that on their their own has increased uh, the population by over 600%. So, our opportunities today are better than we've ever had in the past. No kidding. Wow. Yeah, so you know you've uh, shot pheasants and geese and deer. Uh, would you say you have a favorite?
2: Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, I love the birds. It's fun. It's exhilarating. It's it's constant adrenaline or it's adrenaline throughout the whole entire day. It's fantastic. But the deer, I love doing a stop on deer's, and I love incorporating the horses into it. So. They're, they're quite 50-50 for me. <laughs> I,
1: I know it's a tough question, and if someone was to ask me what my favorite was, it would change daily. But I ask it because mm-hmm. there's, there's probably some young ladies out there listening that are like, well, I don't know where to start. Um, you know, Where would you suggest they start?
2: Um, honestly, birds. Birds are some of the most best introductions you can do. Um, it's, it's a social too. Bird hunting's not just for hunting; it's a social. So you can talk, you can watch the dogs. There's there's always a fantastic lunch in between. Um, you get to get you can go with friends. It's a fantastic introduction. It's
1: there's um, lots of action.
2: Yeah, there is, and yeah. there's not. It's not just sneak up on a deer or here's one shot or here's one deer you can shoot. There's multiple different chances throughout the day to get something. So.
1: I've often said that, uh, after the deer season and hunting day after day after day, and then firing a single shot, I often need to go bird hunting just to, to get some more shooting out of my system and pull the trigger a bit more.
2: Yep. Yep.
1: <laughs> and my wife would agree with you a hundred percent on the birds. Like she's been out big game hunting, but, uh, she's a very social person and she loves being able to talk and laugh and, you know, uh, the bird hunts for her are as much a, so- a social experience as it is a hunting experience. So, times marched on. You've shot mule deer. You've shot birds. What other licenses have you had over the years?
2: I've actually had horrible luck with licenses, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I've always just done. I, I had. I actually got my. I've had two meal bucks. This is my first bonus moose I've ever gotten to, to do a chance to hunt on. I've had calic tags in the past, but this was my first calic that I've got. Um, I definitely have some cool tags coming up in the spring I want to do. So I'm going to do a cougar hunt this year, hopefully. And I'm going to have a spring bear coming up as well. Hopefully get to go on those and hopefully get something. And trying to do as much birds. I've gotten sharp-tailed grouse before, uh, chuckers, quail. I, I have lots to do, I have lots on my bucket list I'd like to achieve. So that's definitely something moving forward.
1: Have you ever had a whitetail uh, tag? Yes, yeah, yeah. So it, it, a lot of it is is the regions where we live. Uh, where you live, uh, you know, you have to draw for almost everything except a whitetail.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Which makes it a little more challenging, whereas people that live further north or up in the uh, foothills or different places, you could buy multiple tags. Uh, that certainly changes the game, but it uh, it's a good message to, to share because, you know, I guess if you were able to travel, you could go somewhere else to buy an elk tag every year or to uh, to hunt other species as well so you were alluding to having a bull moose tag elk and everything else we should take a step back and talk about the tags that you acquired this year
2: (laughs) yes yeah um so my bull it was it was really fun So i was very surprised to get this because usually around our area it's a good nine-year wait and i got it in a five-year priority so that was really unexpected for myself so we weren't really ready for it so we had to get planning because it is a hard walk to do bull moose they are quite far in the mountains so we have a really good friend of ours who has horses so him and I went off and we spent a good like 12 hours a day for about five days and we and we rode all over the country in there trying to find things So, unfortunately, we did not find a bull moose, but there was lots of signs in there. We did see cow and calf pairs, but other than that, unfortunately, we didn't see a bull moose. But it was a very fun experience for me to go at least looking for these animals. I've never had a chance to look for bull moose before in my entire life. So, it was fun to run around the horses and um, hunt the different species. I got to see so many different things up there. I got to see um, elk up there. We saw well, obviously, we, we came across So we sat down the one day just to see what having come across us in a swamp. And we watched some really hot does apparently walk right near us because we had some bucks, like, following the trail super close to us within, like, 30 yards. It was oh. fantastic to watch the different animals because it's, it's way different than how they act in the prairies than when they do in the mountains. So it was a really fun experience for myself to see that. So.
1: Yeah, it's obtaining uh, enjoyment out of the hunt. Without having to be successful, there's different ways to, uh, to, to measure success, and it sounds like you were in a very remote area, one that you normally wouldn't get to. It would be a long walk on foot. It's not necessarily your typical moose hunt that other people do in the boreal forest or even in the farmland. Uh, you were mm-hmm. up in some rough country using horses, so uh, your success doesn't have to be gauged on bringing a moose home. It sounds like you had a wonderful time.
2: I did. It was a fantastic experience. I wouldn't
1: trade for the world. Right. And, you know, a lot of people starting off hunting aren't always successful in the fact that they bring meat home. But I think every time you go out, especially early in your hunting uh, career, there's so much to learn that it, it, it almost becomes the magnet that draws you back out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, any other neat encounters in there? Is that where you got this passion to hunt, uh, black bears and cougars this year as well?
2: Um, so funny enough, the person the person I went with, uh, he actually has a fantastic camp up in Edmonton where he does spring bear every year. So that's what I'm going with. Um, but we didn't see any bears luckily, but there was a big old grizzly rocking through there. We did see the tracks because it was warm enough that they were kind of out and about. Um, but luckily we didn't come across anybody. But um, other than that, we saw just your regular animals out there. We didn't see anything too crazy. Um, after that, I went up with him to go get his, um, bow elk actually, and his cow moose. And there was wolves up in that area. So we got to hear some wolves and that was really cool for me. Um, uh,
1: and was he successful in his hunts?
2: Unfortunately, no. <laughs> Once again, it was, his area was quite open and it was quite popular. So the elk they were quite low, actually, so it was hard to get, because they were sitting in the poplars, really in the really dense poplars, so it was very hard to get close to them. <laughs> okay. but, but I got to see some really cool bulls. I got to do some crazy stocks on multiple different um, occasions, so it was really fun. And one of his friends did actually end up getting a bull elk. So I got to be part of the packing out and the quartering and how to get everything on horses, because I've only ever done it on the prairies where we can load the whole animal into a, into a vehicle. So this was really neat for me to be able to do it, like quarter it up properly and fit it all into game bags and take it out of the mountains. That was really fun. Yeah,
1: it's, and I think it's easier to learn that stuff, having someone with experience there to show you the ropes and walk you through it and help you do it, but but also to pick up a knife and participate yourself.
2: Mm-hmm, yes. it, it was. I've, I've been lucky to have... Like, a crazy amount of mentors throughout my life have helped me through birds and deer and anything that I could ever, like shooting. I've had amazing mentors throughout my whole entire life to help me through it.
0: This podcast was made possible by Alberta Conservation Association and the Harvest Your Own community. If you're interested in harvesting your own food, there's a comprehensive collection of information to gain insight and knowledge, head to the field, harvest your own protein, prepare it, and taste the results. HarvestYourOwn.ca is a library of information from getting started and geared up to processing, butchering, and cooking wild game to make the connection between health and food.
1: You know, and that's probably a question I get quite often is, you know, how important is a mentor?
2: For me, it was, it was a make a break, especially when you're learning, you can make little mistakes but a mentor can help you and he can help you teach you the way that he does it. And not every mentor does the same. So if you have multiple, um, my mom calls it a toolbox, so you take everything and you put it in your toolbox and you take what works for you. So I've had lots of mentors show me different things and I've taken all of their advice and I've made it and they have tailored it to what works for me. So
1: Well, it sounds like you've been very successful with your approach. Uh, let's continue on with your year of uh, year in the field, and you had a late season cow elk take this year.
2: Yes, I did. So, um, unfortunately, this year it was really warm in the last couple weeks of the cow elk season, so it was a little bit of a struggle to get elk close enough. So, once again, we sat on the horses and we rode up high up in the mountains this time, and we were lucky enough. A lot, of, a lot of locals said that the herd had moved on um, south. So obviously, they're not all in one big herd. So we are trying to see if we can find some of the little herds around. And we rode for at least two hours. We rode for two hours. in some really deep snow. in Pitcher Creek It is crazy windy. <laughs> so it blew all of the snow, and it drifted it up to the high on top of mountain peaks. So we blew through like three feet of snow just to get up to where the elk were. Um, so we were very... We were, we were actually just glassing around, and we seen an elk actually on the horizon. So we kind of got a little bit closer, but unfortunately, she's about 380, so it was a little bit too far of a poke for what I was willing to do with all the bush around. So we tried to get a little bit closer. And we got on, the, on a little hillside, and we knew they had moved into the really deep spruce. So we were kind of just walking. We were trying to make a game plan on how we can get a little bit closer to them. And actually, out of the corner of my eye, there was a little clearing, probably – within, it was probably the only clearing in the 50 yards of the whole trees and I could see this little cow elk sitting underneath a tree just bedded down and I was like, no way. So I got down on my butt and I pulled my binoculars and I was looking and she was perfect. There was nothing in between the trees. There was no sticks, no spindles and she was only about 170 yards. I was like, this is fantastic. This is probably my only chance to get a shot at an elk right now. So I took it and it was a good shot. She walked maybe 10 yards away from her bed, and she laid down. So I was very lucky just to catch the one elk out of the corner of my eye, because there was no way we were going to get down there, try to get a proper shot in those spruce and poplars. It was so thick. So I was very lucky to just see her.
1: Yeah, you got to pay attention to everything around you. You never know what you're going to catch out of the corner of your eye, or even passing behind you, or something else. So. Uh, that talks a little bit about the experience and good mentors you've had as well to to keep you on your toes.
2: Yes, yep.
1: And how much work was it to get that elk out of there?
2: Um, luckily enough, it was a younger elk, so she wasn't super big. Thankfully, because we had only brought the one pack horse with us but, um, he is a big draft cross. So he, he packed the whole out by himself Holy. and it was quite steep, unfortunately, cause it had been so warm. The snow had been really slippery. So we walked the horses, um, for about 200 yards. We walked the horses just down the mountains, just getting them off that slippery snow. And we found a quad trail actually back through there for the summertime. So we got on that quad trail and it took us right back to the gate. So it was, it From a two-hour ride turned into a 45-minute ride with the elk. So it was, it was a fantastic um, place that we shot her. So It
1: sounds like a fantastic experience and a fun day in the field.
2: Yes, it was.
1: And what did you do with the elk when you got home?
2: Um, so we actually butchered her the day that I got her. So we butchered her up, and we gave half to my mentor as well because he, he spent a lot of time with me this year, um, so we gave him some of the meat to say thank you, and it was a really easy process. The whole family, when we do processing, we the whole family gets on our table and we do it all together. So we have people have different jobs, and then it goes by super quickly. We can get animals done super quickly. So yeah, yeah, we, it was really easy.
1: We do the same at our house. We call it game night at the Fensens. So no board games, but uh, it's it's. Uh, cutting up wild game and sharing it and everyone enjoys it and laughs and giggles and has a lot of fun. Uh, It actually brings some closure to the hunt for you too, does it not?
2: Yes. And growing up, I helped my dad and my mom process games. So I already was quite knowledgeable in the muscle groups and where to split things and trimming. So it gave me a little bit of knowledge too when I was younger, how to do processing and how to split the hinds off of the, and the shoulders off of the animals. And so, it was, it was pretty nice growing up with
1: it. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to learn all those things and being able to do it yourself certainly saves you a ton of money because, uh, you know, it's nice to be able to use a butcher if you don't know, but if you can do it yourself, uh, you know exactly what the cuts are, what you're getting, you can trim it the way you want, and it uh, it's just a little bit more enjoyable when you have that first meal. Yes, yes. So have you cooked any of it?
2: Um, we haven't yet. We're just letting it rest right now because we, so we did try to cook some of the backstrap, but unfortunately we cooked it a little bit too early, so it was a little <laughs> bit chewy. So we're letting everything rest um, before we start using any of it. Oh, good.
1: Now It sounds like a, a very exciting year and a hunting career. Do yes, you, it was. Do you have any advice for uh, other young ladies that are interested or showing any interest at all in getting into hunting?
2: Yes. Um, don't be afraid to do it. Get into it. If you find the good mentors, they will mentor you through everything. Um, if you want to start, there's lots of opportunities out there now that have mentors that they'll giving you mentors and they'll give you hunts to go on. So don't be afraid to do it. Jump yeah. into it. A lot of these people are fantastic, and they're willing to give you a bucket full of knowledge. So Yes, yeah.
1: we are very lucky, and it sounds like you've been uh... – uh, very lucky to have some great people influence you in your life from an early age, your own family and friends. And uh, I think that's what the hunting community is about. It's what makes it so special is that you talked about the social aspect of bird hunting, but being able to share a passion with other people around you uh, is is special. And sometimes you don't get it from other things in life. Do you have a favorite wild game recipe or meal?
2: Um, so funny enough. It is, it's not really a meal necessarily, but my mother makes a fantastic pheasant dip, we call it. So that's probably one, it's been a staple in our house since I could remember. And all it is, if I'm not wrong, it's like cream cheese, it's chopped up pheasant, it's like grated cheese, and some other, and I think it's salad spices and stuff. I'd have to get the recipe for you, but, and it's all melted in the oven and you serve it with chips. And that's been, a favorite in our whole household and we introduced it um, on mentor hunts and within hunts for um, friends and everyone loves it. So.
1: Well, I'm getting hungry just hearing you talk about it and you serve it hot, <laughs> do you?
2: Yes, yeah.
1: yeah. Well, very good. Uh, thank you very much for sharing your experiences, your life journey into the hunting world. Uh, yeah, I think you're an inspiration and uh, people that don't have friends or family to help you get started shouldn't uh, keep you from Getting out there, taking hunter ed, there are ways to find mentors if you don't have one, and I think that's a really important message to send to people. Is uh, you know, Hannah, you've you've been fortunate that you had people all your life, but uh, people that uh, don't know where to start, going to uh, the Alberta Hunter Education Instructors Association and taking a hunter ed course will will certainly put you in the circles of the people that are going to step up to 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 help anyone that shows an interest. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much, and uh, thank you for sharing your message on Harvest Your Own. Thank you. We hope to inspire people to reconnect with nature and appreciate where your food comes from by harvesting your own. For more information on getting started or to learn specifics about the Field to Fork experience, visit harvestyourown.ca and follow on Facebook and Instagram. Check back often for new material, recipes, and videos that are posted regularly. Please subscribe to Harvest Your Own Podcast and take the time to rate and review the show to help us build a dedicated core of passionate hunters as our regular audience. Until next time, embrace the outdoors and all it has to offer. Thanks for joining us.